Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of Fires of the Dead, and I'm joined by my fellow writers, starting with Dirk Ashton. I am Dirk Ashton, and I wrote the Paternus Trilogy. You can blame me or, you know, whatever. <laughs> or applaud him. Uh, Michael or, R. Fletcher. Yeah. Hi, I'm Michael R. Fletcher, author of the Obsidian Path Trilogy, which is now complete. So go buy it, please. And, and someone just recently told me, sorry, no, the good. Paternus was better than... Um, American Gods. Oh, really? I had the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Really? All right. That's Thank crazy, you. right? Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Apparently you're, apparently you're good. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Some Wait, people we have think good so. writers on this that was, that was look, my look, reaction. Look, look at my reviews. Some people don't think so. <laughs> but enough people do that I'm okay. Yeah. And uh, lastly, Sorry, Rob J. Hayes. Hello, I'm Rob J. Hayes. I am the author of the Mortal Techniques standalone series, the third book of which, Spirits of Vengeance, is this year's Spiffbo. You! Uh, in the cover contest currently, um, I'm not sure how current yes. that will be when the episode comes out, but I saw that being uh, nominated there, so nicely done. Yeah, yeah well, so you know, you're in I, Jed, I discovered that if anything? you stick Felix and did Sean together on a cover, you're bound to get yeah. into the uh, cover contest. That's very true. Mike, um, Mike, you didn't enter anything, did you, this year? No, I'm, I'm a judge over at a Fantasy Book Critic this year. Oh, are you? Oh, oh nice. cool. Yeah. With me here? You know about that? Oh, awesome. Yep. Yep. That's very cool. I already read my first book, and now I'm halfway through my second. Uh, How many did you get? Uh, five? Four or five? I got six books, actually. Oh, okay. Six books. A couple, I, I can already tell I'm not going to be able to finish because yeah. they're just, they're kind of rough. But yeah. uh, f- first book was not bad. Like I, yeah. I finished it. So that's kind of, it was pretty decent. Uh, reading Patrick Le- Leclerc's book right now. And um, it's pretty fucking good. Nice. Cool. 
What's the name of the book? Uh, uh brain fart. Um, let me brain oh, fart. Shit. I, hey, sorry, Patrick. I, I, that's I have, the name of our personality of swapping book. Brain fart. <laughs> brain <laughs> fart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how do I spell his name? Patrick Leclerc. Ah, uh, fuck. Patrick Leclerc. Leclerc. Oh, like one word. Fan- that's it's a very fancy author name. Leclerc. Yeah. Uh, okay. Is it okay? I'm seeing a bunch of books come up on here. He looks like he's got a lot. Um, I wonder if I can find it quickly. Well, this yeah. episode's uh, going well, off the I'll, rails. Yeah, I'll start with the episode and then you can get the name so we don't have dead, dead air yeah, on yeah. here. But uh, yeah, yeah, you keep talking. Cool. So today's episode, we are going to answer a bunch of listener questions. Uh, as always, if you have a question that you would like us to answer on the show, um, you can go to our website, wizardswarriorswords.com. Uh, and there is a contact form on there where you can send a question through either just by typing with your fingers or through audio message. And audio message is cool because then we have the option of playing it out on the podcast. Um, yeah. So first listener question. Oh, and yep. Mike? Super quick. Yes. The book is The Beckoning Void. Oh. Sick title. I like that. Awesome. Um, cool. So first question comes from Justin who asks, what do I do if I feel like I have great ideas and terrible execution? Become a writer. Keep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, just practice. Just write. Sit, practice, yeah, practice. Yeah, you got to sit Keep down. practicing, so practice some more. It's the, it's the standard answer. Terrible execution, I'm assuming he's, he's saying he thinks he's a terrible writer. Yeah, just keep writing then. Um, so yeah, just sit down and plot some little things known out fact, and just write. The ideas is the easy part. Yeah. yeah. All that I get people coming to me and going, yeah. dude, I have this amazing story idea. If you write it, we'll split the pot profits 50, <laughs> 50. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I got, I got, I have more ideas than I have time to write. Like, I don't need your ideas. Go write your own fucking book. Yeah. yeah I <laughs> well, the, the one that the one that perplexes the hell out of me is when people say, well, well where do you get your ideas? You know, I want to be a writer and, um, you know, I got my my undergrad or master's degree in 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 creative writing. But, you know, I'm I, I'm trying to figure out what to write. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, what? I just don't get it. Should be these. It, it is. It's sure. I, yeah, I mean, it, that it's, question, like, where do you get your ideas? You're like, my imagination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, whatever answer well, is that? Um, shit up. I get my ideas from these magic uh, pixies that come to my garden every week and they just drop off some fresh story ideas for me. So I snort. Fletcher, I always knew though, Jed was a hack. Yeah. He's farming pixies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, I can't give you their contact details because then they'll be giving you my ideas instead. So. Well, uh, yeah, for Justin, I would say, Justin, you just got to write. Just, uh, yeah, agreed. just, just write, work on your execution, um, read books, uh, pay real close read. attention to books that you like, look at their sentence structure, see how they do stuff and just, you know, emulate for a while as practice exercises. Um, it's the best way and, to find um, your voice basically is to, yeah. um, you know, essentially emulate the writers that you want to be like, um, and eventually it, it, you know, you'll you'll probably sit there and go, "Ah, oh, God, this just—it's trash. It just sounds like I'm trying to copy," and it it will for a while. But eventually, I want to do it like this, and then your own voice. voice comes out. 
Exactly. That's why uh, when I released my first trilogy, everybody just said I was an Abercrombie clone. Because <laughs> yeah. I hadn't actually found my hey, own voice yet. Know, one thing that I find myself doing a lot when I'm reading is like, I will read something and I'll be, I would have written it like this. I would have mm. worded it like this. And then I think through that in my head. And then uh, I read drafts of my own books and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't have written it like that. I hopefully would have written it like this. And then it's, oh, no shit, there's a deadline. I got too much shit to do. I can't, I can't mess with that prose anymore. And then I end up with a book. <laughs> Never reread your own Sex, books sections, that way like sections. madness. Yeah. 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 The- it's like, why did I write that like that? Of course, nobody else noticed, but I sure do. Last thing before we move on to the next question, I would also say a big fear you may have, Justin, is I've got these good ideas. I know that when I write them, they're going to come out bad because I've said I have bad execution uh, and I'm scared of like, you know, using up my best ideas or ruining my best ideas. Uh, that's, that's just part of the process. Like you're going to get better ideas as you write these things, but the only way you're going to get to that place of having better ideas and better execution is by being willing to write these good ideas now while you have bad badly execution. yeah Correct. write them badly just write them write yep. them even if if even if you hate the your writing just write them write them badly yeah. just get them out because your yes. writing will get better also right, don't shy so away from next like question. fan fiction a lot of authors um cut their teeth on fan yeah. fiction to be honest yep yep cool um okay next question comes from axel who asks Hi guys, I got this problem where I can't seem to fill the space between point A and B. I often get ideas that I think are cool for a chapter and then they end up scattered in different points of time. Uh, And then when I have to get my protagonist from the first cool thing to the next, I sort of run out of steam. Does this problem make sense to you? If so, how have you dealt with this problem uh, before? Cheers. I would say, please read that again. Sure. So I will paraphrase what I think Axel is saying here. I think he's saying that he has like, let's say he has two scenes in his mind. The first scene is the character doing this particular cool thing in location A. Then he has the character having to do another cool thing in this other location, which is in a different place, maybe in a different time. uh, And he's unsure about the best way to kind of link those two scenes up. Um, Uh, That's that's a problem right off the bat to me because... Uh, I would say write those scenes down, right? I, cause I do this too. I have a ton of ideas for scenes that never end up in the book. Um, or, or because they just don't fit within the storyline and with, with the geography and the location and the movement. Um, and then I sometimes have to make up scenes to, to, to fill them. So I would say write them down and then write the book. I mean, this sounds like a good uh, a good example of someone who might need to do some plotting. Uh, write an outline, um, and you'll see where the problems are with linking scenes together. It's like, oh, here's a perfect place to put that scene, or it's like, nope, this scene just doesn't fit. So yeah, see, re- I, I see that as a uh, there's a hole there between character motivation and plot, mm-hmm. and what it sounds like this person is plotting but they don't understand their character motivation. See, when you know what your character wants, 
that your character's drive, their what's motivating them, is what moves them from scene to scene. So if you don't understand their motivation, they have no drive. They're not mm-hmm. moving to the next scene. If you've got scene and a cool scene and a cool scene and nothing to move the character between them, then what you're lacking is motivation. Your character doesn't have a reason to go to the next scene. And you've sort of written the book uh, in reverse or uh, I hate to say it wrong. Right. Um, what you need to do is go back to the beginning and go like, what does my character want? And from that's from that beginning, that's where you figure out where how to go. they're going to go you about f- getting it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't don't you don't figure out all the cool things that happen first and then try and shoehorn a character into your sort of plot outline. That's a, that's boring. Um, You absolutely can design a, sorry, just quickly on that. I would say, yeah, generally you don't want to shoehorn a character into, into the, you know, designated scenes you've put out. I do think there is something to be said of like, oh, okay, this is the kind of thing I'm interested in writing. What sort of character would be interesting and would want to get into these situations? Like if you have this. And then develop a character. Yeah. And then develop it from there. But the point being is like whether you start from the character perspective or the plot perspective, really they are the same thing and you can't neglect, you know, one aspect of that for the art. I have to constantly go back and forth. Paterna started with a grander idea of all these kinds of things that I wanted to do and I had some ideas for scenes. And I did then have to go, okay, well, what kinds of characters can fulfill this? Um, And then I worked on developing those, but then I have to constantly go back and forth, right? And then, so it's like ideas for plot characters, ideas for plot characters, and then it, it comes to the point where they're exactly the same thing. Mm. The characters and, uh, and plot, like, like Mike says, are the same thing. Yeah, but sometimes, sometimes it can take me a while to get to that point to where they're meshing really well. They're looking at me saying, I wouldn't do this, right? Or why in the hell are we going here? We should be going over there. And I'm like, all right, all right, you're correct. And then I'll fix the, fix the outline. Rob, you were going to say something? Yeah, the, the other way to look at that question is uh, whether it's meaning it in a more literal sense, which is, you know, uh, how does my character literally get from this scene to this scene? And I think the thing to take into account is that you don't need to detail every second, every moment of this character's life you can skip things basically. Right. So, you know, one scene ends, mm-hmm. you can just start the next scene with the character essentially doing something else, moving on to a different, you know, space into that next scene. Okay, the scene the um the uh change needs to make sense. You need to be able to see how they're moving from there to there, but you don't need to detail every moment within that sort of like transition, basically. Yeah. I yeah. you basically good. say he, he took a cab. Yeah. Yeah, and then you're there. And that's how we travel between scenes. Like <laughs> I, I actually the... just went through this kind of thing, working out some outline stuff. I had um, uh, my main character and his Kraken are, are <laughs> getting ready to, uh, uh, they've been hired and they've take, taken this to this place where they're going to stay. And the next morning I had him waking up, having breakfast on the dock, getting taken to meet who he's going to work for and then getting assigned to the thing. And I'm like, I don't need to do that. I'm just going to go right to him having already been working for a week or two in the middle of one of these jobs that these guys have to do. And then 
the whistle blows and he goes and signs out. We meet the guy he works for. He has a little banter with the guys that he works with. And then he run, then he sneaks off to do his personal training, right? The training stuff so he can get his greater power and become more than what he is. So, yeah, I, I, even I fall into those stupid traps of the alarm goes off, wakes up in the morning, brushes their teeth. Um, yeah. And I don't. I can just skip right in, get it, get it moving, keep it, keep it moving. I don't have, like Rob said, I don't have to go step by step. Yes. Yeah, Dirk, it's, I, yeah, the, I was going to say basically the same thing before um, because I had that same experience where I was like, okay, I've got my character, they're kind of hiking through this island and then they need to get onto the boat. Okay, so I need to describe like they're meeting the, you know, people on the boat. And I realized, no, I'm not interested in writing that. I'm just going to skip and go straight to being on the boat. It's so much more efficient. So one one thing I've learned too is that if if there is a scene that I really don't look forward to writing and it comes to writing it and I really don't want to write it, I have found that if I just cut it, completely mm-hmm. and refer to it a little bit later it's better <laughs> yes yes 100%. If, if you don't want to write something just cut it out 110 yeah. percent. I'm, I'm like going through edits at the moment and like that is basically where i'm at i'm like why did i force myself to write this thing i'm just gonna cut it and then you know just describe it instead i think a really good kind of easy sort of uh saying for this is like get in late leave early so it's a big thing they talk about in film editing mm-hmm. a lot is like Start mm-hmm. the scene at the absolute latest moment that you possibly can, because that's probably the most interesting moment to start the scene, and then get out of the scene before it overstays its welcome. So mm-hmm. don't you know give all this setup stuff, and it's okay. Like I find myself when I'm writing first drafts, I do this a lot. I'd write a lot to get in the scene, you know, like a character preparing for this moment, like all the lead up to it, and then when I'm editing, I realize I've got to cut that whole thing. Like there's no point that being there. I needed it to understand where the character was coming from. And it adds a layer of understanding for me as the writer, but readers don't need this and the story will be better if you yeah. subtract it. You realize um, that this only happens to noobs like you and me and, and, you know, people that are asking these questions because, you know, Mike and Rob don't have these problems. They've never faced this problem. Nope. Never. No. I mean, Mike's at the point nope. now where he doesn't even write no, the book. He just tells people about it. And, uh, you know, this where you cut out all the annoying transitions. You just get high on really flexi dust and the book appears. <laughs> <laughs> i got to get me some of this Fletcher dust, man. Um, all right, I think we'll move on to one other listener question, uh, and then we might wrap it up. So... Um, we need more hmm. of these voice questions that, uh, that we get occasionally. They were fun. We do need more voice questions. Send us your Send questions voice in voice questions. format via the website www.wizardswarriorsandwords.com Can you play those so Thanks, we Rob. can hear them, Rob, if they do that? Or yeah, Jed? I can't. Yeah, yeah, can definitely. You? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. Rob's taking over all the technical side of the podcast. Thanks, man. Yeah, um, yeah okay. So here's side. an interesting <laughs> question. Uh, from I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing your name right, so I'm sorry if I butcher this. Uh, Shanae asks, do you guys have any thoughts on allegory and how to incorporate it into the plot? No, Mike. I know you most definitely probably have some thoughts on this with the insects. <laughs> Single question, <different>, Mike. <laughs> Up to you if you okay. want to discuss. Okay, it. so I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd maybe I'd phrase it differently as theme rather than allegory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, there is a yeah. layer 
um, for me, there's the story on the surface, uh, and there's kind of what I'm saying underneath it. And if it's super obvious what I'm saying, then to me, I've kind of done a shitty job at it. Uh, what I want is the reader to enjoy the story and kind of be largely unaware of what's happening of the second story underneath, mm -hmm. but to finish the book and be like, oh, fuck. There's like, oh, there's, there's something going on. This is actually, this isn't a story about insects. It's, a, it, you know, hive insects. It's a look at how people are social monkeys and incapable of getting past that. And all of our decisions, all, you know, all this, all the shit we're dealing with on a daily basis is because, because we're stupid fucking monkeys. Um, you know, so that I, how to do that? I don't know. For me, it's, it's kind of just happens in the background, but it starts, I, before I write a book, I have themes in mind. Um, and I'm not trying to write to the theme or I'm not trying to write the theme, but that sort of background theme um, impacts where the story is going to go mm -hmm. and maybe how I tell it a little bit, but I don't, I honestly don't spend a ton of time thinking about it. Yeah. I just, once I have the idea in there, it's, psh, I start writing. Right. The way I think about allegory and theme is I'm the same way, Mike, I'm much more interested in theme, um, is that, that all allegories of course have a theme, but not all books with a strong theme or themes are an allegory. Like we could easily say, Jed, we were talking earlier about um, uh, Joe Abercrombie's latest trilogy. You could easily say that 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 those books are an allegory for, you know, uh, modern times of uh, you know uh, the political political uh, machinations of modern times with with uh, a rebellion of the uh, of the of the lower classes against the upper classes and. Uh, and it, it's an allegory. This story stands in for this, right? Um, and then the theme is, you know, basically any number of things that come out. Um, turns out that both both sides are, of course, as Abercrombie are equally reprehensible. Um, <laughs> so it uh, it uh, you, you wonder what the mess, what the theme, what the message is really supposed to be. But um, uh, if there is one at all. So, yeah, I go more with theme. Um, I think, I think um, setting out to write an allegory um, is dangerous um, in that you're obviously going to be, they're going to see you as an author stepping onto a soapbox right off the bat. Um, uh, a perfect example of an allegory is like Animal Farm, right? I was just going to mention that. Yep. Right. I mean, that's one that's brought up all the time. Um, it's an allegory of the lower classes rising up, uh, basically, uh, like a, the Soviet Revolution um, is basically the way it works out. And then it's supposed to be set up that way. But of course, they turn into capitalist pigs, right? Um, and become just as bad, if not worse. Than, than what they what they overthrew, so it's an allegory for that basically, and um, it. Uh, uh, but that is a very obvious political statement, allegory 
about something and it's brilliantly written, but the soapbox is there. No apologies. That's cool. It's a little more dangerous in now to, to do that in modern times to show that, look at this book. It's political and it's right and it's good. And that, um, that can attract a certain crowd, but it's going to turn off another huge crowd. Um, so I wouldn't say don't do it. Just be aware that that's a possibility if you're, if you're do, trying to do a true political allegory. It doesn't have to be a political allegory, but most of them are. Rob, do you have any, uh, any other thoughts? No, really. I, I, much like you know, Fletcher and Dirk, I prefer to write around themes um, and you know, issues like that. But I, I find that if you, yeah, if you have an idea of what it's going to be when you're going in, that's great. You can sort of do it more subtly and you're not trying to beat people around the head with it, basically. But then at the same time, it's perfectly all right to, to go into a book without an idea of what, what that's going to be and figure it out as you go along. Or even write a book that has no deeper, you know, sort of like themes yeah, going around just entertaining. it. A bit more popcorn fantasy, um, well, popcorn uh, entertainment, mm -hmm. basically. So I wouldn't worry too much about it any which way. I think one thing that is useful to consider, um, particularly where I think Abercrombie excels at this is like, there's a certain like scrambling to the themes and everything that comes behind it. Like you can look at Abercrombie's books and you can pull out a lot of different themes, allegories, like call them whatever you want. Like you can look at the kind of political aspect. You can look at the more like, oh, everyone's got this uh, darkness within their within themselves internally you can also look at it as just like this is uh you know everyone is susceptible to violence and everyone is trying to get power in their own ways like there are a lot of different ways you can look at it and then you can also look at it without any of that and just go this is really fun to read about logan nine fingers going mad and tearing people's heads off and that sort of thing so something that is kind of interesting i think is when you can create a story that is almost like this you know rorschach ink block test where there is this sense of like so much deep meaning and profoundness there, but like you also don't exactly know what it is. And Rob, maybe you can speak to this because I haven't played Elden. So basically, Rick, watch every single Rick and Morty episode. Yeah, <laughs> where you're like, it's really yeah. You're like, this is, feels really meaningful. It also feels like totally pointless at the same time, and it's really fun. So yeah, it's just all these things. But this is one common review I was hearing of Elden Ring, and I haven't played it, so I don't know. And Rob, I'd like to get your thoughts on it. I think it was Abercrombie himself who was saying Elden Ring somehow manages to feel so profound and like so meaningful and so much like it's about this thing without like really being about anything or without having any dialogue <laughs> or any obviousness. And it's like, it just it feels kind of, that way. Yeah. It, it's almost like this magic trick where you're thinking there's all this depth to it. And it's in some senses not, it's just like a lot of cool ideas were thrown into it and it allows for these emergent properties to come out of it. Do you agree with that, Rob? Or did you have a different experience? Uh, kind of. I'd say Elden Ring, much like all Dark Souls games, um, which is you know basically the, the, the parent idea behind that game, is 90% setting. Here's this dark, gothic, cool setting and some really sort of uh, mysterious hints of lore dropped here and there and allow um the the gamers basically to you know take those little bits and invent more in their own head 
so that each person mm. comes up with you know their own sort of like personalities for the characters that don't really have any um you know i've seen so much about like the there's the one of the biggest bosses is like uh she she's you, you know so little about her she's a, a demigod uh she's the queen of rot uh and she has one line of dialogue which is my name is millennia blade of mickle i have never known defeat that's it that's the entire character go nuts and people just project um, all these things onto her exactly so uh, but then I, I i don't know if you could do that in any other medium other than computer games because the whole thing about computer games is people projecting themselves onto the computer game anyway so i don't Fair know point. yeah okay well i hope we answered your question there uh, <laughs> yeah i think um yeah i don't think there's to summarize i don't think there's anything wrong with writing like allegory in the sense of allegory being an overt political message i do think you probably will get a lot of pushback from it sounds like we're more interested in writing kind of exploring themes which are i guess these deeper ideas about uh i don't know something that we think of the world that is fascinating to explore from different angles uh within a book so that is a good spot to wrap up today's episode. Thank you for sending in those listener questions. If you have questions for us, uh, feel free to yeah, go to our website, wizardswarriorswords.com, uh, and you can send it through that contact form there. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Tra. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.